folks, Gavin Roth here with another episode of the Influencers of Sponsorship Marketing, sponsored by Elevant, makers of sponsorship software that track, evaluate, and manage all requests for partnerships. Learn more at elevant.co. As my listeners know, mentorship is a central theme of this podcast, and there's one name that tends to come up more often than others, and that name is Dave Hopkinson. Dave was Chief Commercial Officer at Maple Leaf Sports and Entertainment, where he spent 23 years working his way up from ticket sales. He then made headlines going overseas to take on a similar role for Real Madrid, the most popular soccer team in the world, and recently was in the news again when word spread that he was back on this side of the pond as President of Business Operations at MSG Sports, home to the Knicks, Rangers, and Madison Square Gardens. Dave is a true industry heavyweight, a Canadian-born global sports marketing success story, and a great guy. We discuss his journey and how he overcame early struggles in sales, his mentors, some of his proudest accomplishments at MLSE and Real Madrid, what it was like working in a different culture, and what led to his return to North America and what excites him about his new role in the world's most famous city. And of course, his professional development advice. It's a story of a wonderfully managed career, humility and bold decisions. Plus, he reveals who he'll be pulling for when the Knicks play the Raptors, a surprisingly quick answer. I hope you enjoy. And for more episodes of the Influencers of Sponsorship Marketing, follow me on LinkedIn, Visit Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, YouTube, or check out RothRevenue.com. Just over a year ago, I'm watching, um, as I was just saying, my, my favorite athlete on the planet. Uh, some, some of my close friends know this. I get mocked mercilessly for, for this, but I've got a huge man crush on Rafa Nadal. And I'm watching uh, Spain in the Davis Cup final in Madrid, and they're playing uh, some upstart country called Canada. Uh, and, and I'm watching on TV and, and the, the camera pans across the front row right behind Rafa and there's Dave Hopkinson and we ended up exchanging a few texts and um, uh, I was jealous at that point, man. So listen again, thank you for, for taking the time. There's so much to cover, so uh, uh, I want to hop right in. It's a, it's a pleasure. Thanks for having me, Kevin. Yeah, yeah, all good. So, you know, I, I, look at, I look at your journey in three big buckets, right? I mean, it's not hard to do that. Uh, I want to start with the first one where so many people in this country, on, you know, uh, and you're sitting in New York now, we'll talk about that, but uh, your name comes up as much as anybody when I, when I do these podcasts. I've done about 32 episodes when I talk about people who are influential and, and everybody loves to drop the name Dave Hopkinson, um, whether it's Josh Epstein or you know people like Don Mayo or Sherry Bradish or whoever, it comes up over and over and over again. So it's just awesome. And and so MLSE, talk about how you kind of you were there a while and you really you're a great story of of slow and steady and rise up the ranks, right? Talk about how that how you made that work. What was the key? To well, it was you know you know. Yeah, it was pretty slow. It took me 23 years. I was there 23 years. You don't, uh, you know, I, I didn't, uh, d not exactly an overnight sensation. Um, yeah, I started very, very low on the totem pole selling, um, 
season seats. So I started in 1994. I started November 1, 1994, and the Raptors started a year later. They started playing November 3, 95. So I was there for a year as a startup uh, person and, and um, trying to explain it to people that NBA basketball was exciting. They should go and go deep with us. And I sold tickets for a few years there before I moved. They'll win a championship one day, trust me. You're saying? Right? Trust me. Uh, trust that me, was, that win. was a long time in the making too. Uh, it's it's wonderful to, to see the Raptors' success uh, uh, I was, I was, I'd left the organization the year before they won. So it didn't exactly Had nail nothing to do timing. with the course. Yes. That's uh, <laughs> unrelated. Uh, but I did come back for one of the finals games, uh, you know, saw all the images of the parade. And so it was wonderful, wonderful to see them achieve that. Um, you know, but you know, I, I, I saw for some pretty rough basketball. I was there while I was there too. I think in our third season, Actually, we did okay in the first season. I think we won 20 games, 21 games, set a record for, for franchise or, or wins by an expansion franchise. Second year was okay. Third year was a disaster, and we won 16. We went 16 and 66 that year. So uh, I would Dude, say, I've listen, seen I was either. there. I, would, I was a day oneer, okay? I, I yeah. love basketball. So I was all in from day one. So I rode those lows as well, uh, but it makes the highs that much sweeter, right? Well, it does. It does. I, mean, I think you're. I think you're right, Gavin. And you know what else? You you learn a lot when you're failing. And uh, I, you know, I seeing what a bad basketball team looked like. Uh, 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 frankly, some uh, some poor organization, poor, poor poor organizational decisions, poor coaching decisions, poor managerial decisions. Um, the, the the conscientious learning we did through that is, I think, the reason the Raptors ultimately won. Well said. Well said. So, so, and, and in terms of your corporate growth, what were those like, usually with these things, I know in my career, it's, it's like an, a, a moment where an opportunity arises and you, you've prepared yourself to meet the opportunity. You, you're all about that. Like what were some of those moments that just took you from selling tickets to chief commercial officer? Well, you know, I, you know, I think, it's nice to, and there's some names you mentioned, Josh, Sherry, you know, uh, we've got a, we've got a great um, sponsorship community in Canada and yeah. it is not huge uh, in terms of numbers, but it's, but it's uh, a lot of bright and talented people. And I've got lots of friends in that group. What I'm happy to tell anyone is that sure. Uh, my, the, when I moved into selling partnerships, which was really more called sponsorships at the time in the, uh, in the late nineties there, um, I right out of the gate, having moved from tickets into partnerships, nearly lost my job. I had to walk into Michael Downey's office, um, who was the SVP, VP or SVP or something of marketing at the time and beg for more time. So I, I had an extraordinarily difficult time moving from uh, selling tickets, which I was doing successfully, into selling partnerships. I was a disaster to begin. And I had to go into Michael's office and say, like, uh, Michael, like, I'm getting the sense you guys are getting a little frustrated with me and, and, and might be thinking about moving on. You know, you mean, no, it's not that. And I was like, okay, it's definitely that. And I said, look, if, I, the, I, if I, the voice I'm went confident. high, if his voice yeah. went high, <laughs> it's not that. Uh, 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 <laughs> it's definitely that. So I was in real trouble. I was in real trouble. I, I didn't get it. I wasn't getting it. And I, I said, look, I think the light's going to go on here at some point. And, 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 and it did, and it did, and it Love did, that. but it, it was, you know, part, I'll tell you the part of the 
you know, we, I just said, you learn more when you're failing. I learned an awful lot being very disciplined about examining why I was failing as a young partnerships person, as a new partnerships person. And um, the lessons I learned through some of that failure, yeah, I managed to save my job and go on and, 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 and I think, you know, thrive. Uh, uh-huh. I say with humility, but thrive. But it was a shaky start, man. It was a bad start. Why do you think, and I, I see that all the time. People think, hey, I've sold this so I can sell sponsorship. I've sold a commodity so I could sell sponsorship. And I have some of my, you know, they're not hardly theories, but, uh, you know, reasons why. From your perspective, why well, is that transition so hard for many? I, I bet we'll agree. But, you know, when I was selling tickets, you know, I was selling to an individual. You know, even if that was a, an, individual, an individual representing a corporation, they didn't meet with a committee, you know, so to so one person. So it was, it was, it was point to point. Um, it was not an, ordinary, an inordinately sophisticated sale. Right. Hey, what are you doing here? Entertainment dollars. Hey, why don't you spend some with us? Uh, it was inventory based. Right. Yeah. It was, yeah. Tr- it was, there was no, there was really very little or no flexibility on price. As you say, so, yeah, the pr- and the price was low. Like it wasn't. You're not talking. Well, yes, it was a smaller ticket, but also like that's the price. It's on the brochure. Like that's, yeah. I've got a latitude here. Correct. Uh, and so you know, I was not well positioned to move into partnerships, which is I'm going to engage with multiple decision makers. I'm going to need to make a sophisticated business case. I'm going to negotiate on all aspects of the program, all elements. I'm going to need to understand how to negotiate on price. You know, it, it, there was just a whole level of sophistication I was ill-equipped for. Right. Um, failed really badly at. Uh, embarrassed myself. Uh, but, and, and nobody was probably, I'm, I'm willing to guess, training wasn't put in place at that, or was it to... to no, no, no. no, no shit. You had to just no. figure it out on the fly. Figure it out. Figure yeah. it out. Yeah. And, you know, you know that... that there just wasn't the resources that, that we have now for, sure. for training and teaching young people. When anyway, was that roughly, Dave? When was that? Like what time frame are we talking? Like late nineties? Yeah. Yeah. This would have been just before we opened Air Canada Center. So when we opened Air Canada Center in, in February of 1999, let's say in the year prior to that, Yeah. as I was getting ready to sell going into the new building, which by the way, had all the headwinds behind me, or pardon me, all the tailwinds behind me, headwinds yeah. behind me. All the tail was behind with the new building coming and everything else. And I still was ineffective. So it really, uh, this, is a, this is a story of incompetence in lots of ways. I'm beginning to see a theme here. You know, it's funny. I, I've, I've cited this many times. Brendan Shanahan, who I know you know very well, um, he, he spoke on, there, there used to be a show called, um, uh, a radio host in Toronto called Bob McCowan. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, right. he's he's no longer on the fan, so I'm I'm joking. Right, like he's uh, McCown's show, right, uh, on on the fan, and and Shanahan was on, and he talked about scar tissue, and it was in relation to the Raptors tasting success, the Leafs not, and him talking about how teams have to go through hardship before they learn how to win. And I think that's a lot of what you're talking about. I think that applies to people and career growth, right? Scar tissue is a good thing. You know, you're right. I mean, if I had just had more, let's say, luck at the beginning, I don't think I would have learned some of those really important lessons that enabled me to succeed later. Yeah. Uh, And so, you know, sometimes you got to be careful what you wish for. Maybe, you know, at the time I was wishing it had been easier, but maybe with the benefit of, you know, two decades of hindsight later, looking back and go, thank God it wasn't easier. Thank God it was hard. 
And yeah, I built right. up some of that, as you said, as Jenny says, scar tissue, because I think it served me well later. Well, so yeah. And then, um, so proud, you know, um, proud accomplishments, uh, you know, at MLSC. It doesn't have to be when you're in officially as CCO, but, or could be, but just partnership related thoughts on successes, proud accomplishments. You know, one of the things that, that I struggle to understand, although figured out, um, was how long deal cycles can yeah. be. So if I go back to that ticketing example where I started my career, you know, the deal cycle, deal cycle. We're even talking about deal cycle, you know, you get this yeah. on the phone. Um, you know, understanding that when we did the first deal with Scotiabank, not the naming rights deal, but that one of the things we, we, we negotiated hard with Scotiabank at the time was a six-year term. Which mm. is a bit of an unusual term, mm. uh, and I mean, we're re we were really dug in on six, and and want to get that. We got that ultimately, and that was because we would ultimately want them that deal expiring when the Air Canada negotiations were going on to renew, whether or not we were going to renew with Air Canada on the naming rights of the, of the facility. So, um, you know, to lay that sort of strategy together that listen we won't see any benefit here from six years and it's unclear if we will get to see benefit six years from now but let's do that the right way yeah that was something i'm proud of so when people talk about well, gee scotiabank that was a nice big deal how long did that take i'm like i don't know six years yeah it, it, yeah it, it, you know we, big, we you mean the big well. one right the big uh yeah well, the name on the it name took, was, yeah yeah exactly in some through a certain lens it took six years and jeff Deline and i were working on that Six years early, when we, when we talked about terms like five and five, we want to hear five, ten, three. Like, oh, how about six? Yeah, six is really good. And here's why. <laughs> um, and uh, you, you know, so I, I when I think about some of the deals that you know, I think we're talking about deals here that, that mm -hmm. I'm most proud of. Yeah, it's whether it's Scotiabank, we had a you know, MLS, he's got a great and long term relationship with Molson, that's a great one. Um, the uh, you know, the way we dealt with some of the people that you know, nurturing those relationships over time. Yeah, you know, in the in the case of Scotiabank, a great deal team. The case of Molson, and, and in the case of Brian Cooper, who was on both deal teams, mm. um, or or people like you know when we did the deal with 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 Canadian Tire and Michael Medline. And then when Michael Medline leaves and goes to Sobeys, right. we had Sobeys deal very quickly afterwards because Michael knows who we are and how you know how effective our partnerships could be. It's it's been good. I've really enjoyed uh, the most. Enjoyed the most. Been the most proud, ultimately, of the deals that we've done, where where we build great personal relationships that lead yeah. to great corporate relationships. Well said. Yeah, it's a, as you said before. It's a small industry, and and excuse the language, but you know the 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 there's a real belief. You get a partner and you service the shit out of them, right? You really. Um, but you don't do it in a force way. It's it's because you enjoy, you know, you you connect with the people, you you find those common grounds, relationship, and you never know where those people might end up, right? And and isn't it true? Even some people lower down the ranks, right? It might not be always the Michael Medlines. It could be a, a lieutenant of his who then goes on to become a leader somewhere else. But you've treated them the right way, right? Absolutely, absolutely. You know, we're you know taking the long view. Yeah. 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 Uh, has served me consistently. Yeah. Well said. Um, mentors while you were there, like people who kind of inspired your growth and supported your growth. I know you you've know, been think, a mentor I, to many, but uh, you, you, uh, you, you also have mentors. You know, oh, I've, I've had, I've had so many of you do the rest of the show on it. You, you know, <laughs> uh, 
MLSC, I've said this in a couple of interviews, Canadians should be proud of MLSC. It's a well-run, extraordinarily well-run, extraordinarily, extraordinarily well-run sports entertainment organization. Uh, sometimes we think, oh yeah, are they the best in Canada? But yeah, I, I, think, I think with all due respect to yep. some of our peers who are also well-run uh, in Canada, I can think of many, I do think MLSC is the best run in Canada. It's, it is, it's, it's the biggest, extraordinarily well-run. Was it always, up, yeah. right? Maybe not, to your earlier point. Right, you're right. Yeah. But it is now, and it's always yeah. had good leaders. It's always right. had good leaders. Yes. You yes. know, when I, when I was that young knucklehead salesperson, Chris Overholt was unbelievably influential for me, still a, <clears throat> still a dear friend, yeah. taught me a lot about selling. Yeah. Uh, but I remember it was when I had, when I did the episode with him, I think I got a surprising, but funny note from, from you. What am I not, not a list enough for you? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. 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 yeah, No. I listen to to things Chris says and I read what he writes. I think he's an extraordinarily talented person, but listen, I had Tom and sell me ahead of me. Yeah. I mean, you know, you know, I mean, Tom taught me so much about business, so much about values has succeeded everywhere he's gone and that is now succeeding uh, in Edmonton. Jeez, I talked, I talked to Tom two days ago. Yeah. You know, we had a nice catch up on the phone. Uh, I had Richard Petty ahead of me who, yeah. you know, Richard, you know, d- 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 despite, you know, some people who criticized him because there was a, that was a team, uh, an era of team underperformance, an extraordinary leader. I hear that uh, a lot. I talked yeah. to Richard a couple of days ago. I still talk, you know, talk to Richard, geez, every couple of weeks, uh, 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 an extraordinary mentor who really, pushed me hard on leadership. Mm. Uh, I had Tim Laiwicki when I was there. Mm. I mean, uh, Tim Laiwicki, probably one of the greatest, no, not probably. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to remove the qualifier. Tim Laiwicki is the greatest visionary in sports and entertainment. Wow. To be bolted to his side for a couple of years was uh, absolutely uh, an absolute masterclass. And yeah. I just, I just, I just want to run around carrying Tim's briefcase, taking notes. I mean, this guy, is is uh, a living legend and and and, and by the way mlsc's current ceo michael freesdale i learned a ton from michael working with him for a couple yeah. of years yeah, there great leader you know he, he is he is the, the consummate professional yeah. so yeah. you know i think that uh mlsc uh, has been blessed with great leaders and along the way i've had the, the ability to learn a bunch of different things from a bunch of extraordinarily strong leaders and try and build that into you know a toolkit uh, the, 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 the work sure. was just working for me. Yeah. So, so how did, how did Madrid happen? How did, how did Real Madrid, I mean, for those on this side of the pond who may not know, talk about before you answer, like the scope and size and power of that brand, Real Madrid. Well, Real Madrid's the most popular sports team in the world. Yeah. And, oh. and, and <laughs> their only competition are the guys down the road at FC Barcelona? And sorry, I hate to say it because I know my guy Rafa is a Real Madrid fan, but but I, I've always gravitated to. I've, I, yeah, I think you're either a Messi guy or a Ronaldo guy, right? Not that he's there anymore, Ronaldo, but I was always a Messi guy, so I was. Look, partially. there's look, yes, yes. So Rafa, Rafa, eres madridista, <laughs> but um, uh, uh, you know, FCB is a wonderful club. And I've yeah. got lots of friends there. I mean, lots of cl- and those two there. have helped each other do this. They, right? have, they have, you know, that rivalry has created what is the best sports, uh, you know, rival. Not only the sport, best sports rivalry in the world, but that's what you know, Classico is. That's what vaulted these two organizations to the forefront of sports globally. 
you know, that, that, that respectful, passionate rivalry in the world's greatest game um, is, is uh, simply unbelievable in its power. So I've got lots of friends at FCB and I respect everybody who tells me they're, they're an FCB fan. I think lots of North Americans are. People tend to be more familiar with Barcelona North Americans than they do Madrid because Madrid's a city. Yeah. And, 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 and Barcelona is on, you know, there's a great beach there. There's no beach in Madrid, right? So you don't, you know, I think <laughs> the a lot more North Americans go to, yeah. A, lot, yeah. a lot more North Americans go to Barcelona yeah. for holiday. Yeah. Uh, which is an incredible place to holiday right there uh, yeah. uh, on the coast. And it makes sense to me. Anyway, um, one, two in the world. Uh, I was looking last night at something. Real Madrid was just, just uh, won the award for most social media followers in the world. You know, 110 million on Facebook alone. You know, 330 million in the ecosystem of between Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, now TikTok. Uh, you know, it's unrivaled. are you on TikTok yet? Are you on TikTok? Uh, you know, you know, no, no. The girls, the girls will push I, you I, there. I, yeah. I, as I said, I've got a 12-year-old daughter who doesn't seem to come off it, so I recognize <laughs> the power of it. Uh, and, um, all right we'll we'll yeah, save that that's down the road you that's, gotta, that's you gotta leave that's some things to grow into dave right yeah. <laughs> well look look you know what's what's undeniable is that tiktok is taking over this next generation right yeah, yeah. i will tell you this i look at our i look at our um uh, social media data here yeah. at msg on a weekly basis and every week we shed net facebook followers oh, okay right there every you know. week we grow Every week, our social media ecosystem is growing. And every week, I think I've got the report right here. Every week, I yeah. see us shed net Facebook followers. So mm. look, it's moving. Um, and I don't know what's behind TikTok, but it's something else. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, right. something after that. So, But the we'll power of Real Madrid, right? So talk, talk um, about that journey. Yeah. Um, you, you know, you're talking about a, a nine-figure, well in the nine-figure partnerships business. Uh, and euros, millions of euros, wow. you know, they've got, uh, you know, the, their uh, deal with Adidas, the largest sponsorship deal in the world. I remember reading about um, that. Well, yeah. While you were there. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, I obviously can't get into details, but you will read that it is, you know, in the public domain, it's over hundred million euros a year. Right. Yeah. So as excited as people might get about the Scotia Magnani rights deal, you know, this is a deal that's quadruple right. the size of that that's quadruple, crazy. right? Crazy. 400%. So, so Real Madrid, Real Madrid is huge. In, in 2017, the summer of 2017, I decided I was going to leave MLSC, but I wasn't going to run the, you know, I, I felt that um, that was enough. Uh, I'd done it for 22 years at the time. Uh, okay, look, I got to make a decision now. Either I'm going to stay here the rest of my life and do one thing in one city, in one town, in one parking spot. <laughs> My yeah, entire the life. most okay. important part, yeah, the parking or, spot, yeah. Well, you know, I, I did say at some point, uh, you know, rather than hit the brake and hit the accelerator and plow myself into the back wall here, I got to do something else. I was, I, I, it's a big world, the big world. Yeah. And I thought, okay, but I'm not going to run out of here with my hair on fire and run off to, you know, some franchise in the middle of nowhere, just change for the sake of change. I wanted to leave thoughtfully. And I, I, I said, well, look, I'll, I will do something to change, leave if something magical comes along. So I did, you know, start to do some listening and some active listening. And um, we got a lot of good media right after the Scotiabank deal, decided to capitalize on that. Um, and when Real Madrid called, I recognized immediately, okay, well, this, this is, this, this is, is it. Yeah. So 
this was it. This was it. So uh, I, I was there for two and a half years, uh, possibly the greatest experience of my life, um, you know, representing that, that brand globally. I mean, you know, in, in you know, being in, in with LG in Seoul, Korea, uh, being in Doha, looking at, uh, you know, World Cup facilities uh, for 2022. Uh, you know, I was in Riyadh, Saudi Arabia with, with STC, Saudi Telco. Uh, yeah, uh, you know, being in the U.S. on tour, right? You I mean, leave, you leave North America, and you realize how big the world is, right? We tend to be so insular here on this side. That it's amazing. I think of you know, Keith Pelly, right? And you know, a good good friend. Both of us know him well, and 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 the European tour, and just seeing all the different places that job takes him. Your job took you. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. I will tell you, Keith is someone who. I would not describe Keith and I as like close personal friends. No. Uh, I, you know, I, I, I have I had a beer with him. Yeah, I have had a beer with him, but like one. Yeah. Um, however, Keith is someone whose career admire in, in, enormously. And, and prior to this Real Madrid move, I did call Keith about another move internationally overseas mm -hmm. that I was considering. And Keith uh, was so gracious when he took my call. Yeah. We talked for a half hour. I said, listen, Keith, I'm considering something. It's overseas. It's a big, we want to pick your brain. And he said, oh, yeah, do it. Yeah, I could see that. And I said, well, I had a laugh. And I said, well, well, do you want to know what it is? He says, no, sure, but I don't, not really. Like, look, you're a smart guy. I'm sure uh, you've done all the homework. Uh, my advice to you is go do it. And you know what? I've been called subsequently about a couple of people who have been looking at things internationally. I've given them the same advice. Just go do it. Go yeah. do it. Yeah. Uh, don't be afraid. Get out of your own head. Get on a Yeah. Right? I moved to Spain and I didn't. I didn't, I, you know, my Spanish vocabulary said consisted of hola. I knew nothing, not yeah. a word, not a, I didn't speak a word of Spanish, plot myself down, representing this club and this brand, living in Madrid and figured it out, figured it out. Yeah. And so big challenges with moving to a new culture. What were some of the, the, the big hurdles that you had to clear language and yeah, yeah. Be one? <laughs> language being one. Yeah. Uh, you know, I remember I was in a car for, uh, in my first week, I didn't know where to line up to pay. I, 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 it was, it was, it was a mess. It was a mess. It was, it was, a, it was a goddamn mess. Mm -hmm. And, uh, but you figured it out. First year was, was, you know, a challenge, yeah. but again, that's where you learn. Yeah. It, it was the greatest. I, when I described those two and a half years, the greatest, you, you know, time of my life so far, so much of that was related to what I learned over there. And, and, uh, big things, little things, subtle things, you know, um, really garnering a, an appreciation for different culture and garnering an appreciation for how much culture matters in negotiations. Mm. So again, not just in, in, you know, my day-to-day -day life in Spain, where, which is a different culture, but, you know, how will that translate when I do go to, to, to Korea, when I did go to Saudi Arabia? When I do come back to the U.S., et cetera, et cetera, right? So, um, you know, culture really matters because uh, respecting and understanding cultures is, is so uh, intimately linked to gaining the trust of the other right, side. Right. We're not going to get any good thing done unless we trust one another. Right. So uh, uh, I had an extraordinary experience working on a global brand and, and living abroad. Yeah, and 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 I what I take from that is learn 
and prepare about for that culture you're going to be dealing with before you enter just blindly thinking about, you know, how you show up, think about how you're going to be received, right? And, and how yeah, they receive people, right? Yeah, you're, you, you are right. And, and, but also asking, you know, the, the, the simpler question you ask, the better answer you're going to get. Yeah, that's, that's what time's said. lunch and why, <laughs> yeah. you know, you know, what, you know, Spanish, Spain, lunch starts at two, go, go till four, right? Yeah. You know, yeah. Hot time for a dinner reservation in, in Madrid. Is lunch in New York is very different than lunch in Madrid, I would imagine. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's funny, you know, you're absolutely right. And, and we haven't seen it yet because of course we're in the middle of a pandemic. But to a Spaniard, the idea of eating some carrot sticks out of your bag at your desk is the saddest thing they've ever heard. Oh, I love it. Yeah. Uh, lunch in Spain is a real thing. And by the way, it's a lovely part of their culture yeah. and, and, and something that, that, that we as North Americans should, should, should learn. They, they cherish those, uh, those moments, right? Uh, um, any any uh, proud like uh, you know you talked about Adidas. Um, any anything that stands out from your two and a half years there, that uh, in terms of deals and partnerships. Well, you know, I, I, I went there on a transformation agenda to 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 learn how to uh, to, to 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 help teach how to properly commercialize that business globally. And I think mm. that I think that what's interesting is you know. Very few companies buy media or buy sponsorships globally. And very few properties can command that. Can the Olympics? Absolutely. Yeah. Can, can, can uh, FIFA World Cup? Absolutely. But it's a relatively short list. It's a short list. Yep. Most media sponsorships are bought either regionally or, or nationally. Yep. And, and what we did while we were at Real Madrid to strengthen our regional propositions using technology like digital overlay on the broadcast regionalizing our uh, social media by, uh, you know, uh, the right language in the right region, you know, a, a website that's in eight languages, et cetera, et cetera. In, in fact, you know, we found that the, the uh, clearest way to um, grow the business was by better positioning Real Madrid regionally in the regions in which it was strong. And, you know, reorganizing the sales team around an APAC team, an EMEA team, an America's team, um, and having people on plenty. We would, we, you know, the APAC team, uh, you know, led by Pedro Corrales, you know, we, we, we mailed Pedro to Singapore. I think he was there for three weeks, mm. uh, taking uh, meetings up, uh, up and down uh, the, uh, that, that, that coast. So a lot of process, uh, right? Like I've often said, when I do my training, I, I, at the beginning, I start by, and I've had the pleasure of training a bunch of you know, Vader and DeLine's young sales execs and uh, mm -hmm. part of my business. And, and I start by saying, you're not gonna like the answer to how to be successful in, in partnership sales. It's process. Uh, it's not a sexy word, but if you can create and live by a repeatable process, that will see you through. And it sounds like a lot of- uh, You're absolutely right. A lot of what you did there is you came and you looked at their process and said, oh, yeah, I need to change some things. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, I regionalize. I love that. Well, it was very, very effective. And, yeah. and it will benefit them for years. And then, you know, to your point on process and structure, Gavin, you know, standing up a strong strategy team at, uh, yeah. uh, was um, really a key to the success that MLSE is enjoying and continues to enjoy. 
uh, uh, there was not a strategy team at Real Madrid when I got there. It was one of the first things I did was did was stand one up under the extraordinarily talented uh, Zahir Benjamin, who I recruited at a Chelsea. Zahir did a great job. He's a great team there. And then we internationalized the team at Real Madrid. So when I got there, the whole team was Spanish, uh, mm-hmm. other than Rene, who was like German and French. But really, the whole team was Spanish. And we kept the Spanish team in place. This was not about sending a bunch of Spaniards home. But it was also about bringing Zahir, who I mentioned, recruiting an American Julie Malini out of NFL Europe, recruiting uh, Ewan Warren, a Scotsman who was working at Juventus, uh, rec- uh, recruiting Kendall Cream, who's a Kiwi, who was working at Formula E. So, you know, we, we, we went ahead and, and internationalized mm-hmm. that team. So basically um, made, made enemies across the soccer world by taking their top talent. I get it, I get it, okay. <laughs> well, listen, I will tell you, it's not a, it's not a play nice environment. Um, I think there's a lot of, uh, not unlike what I talked about with FCB, you know, look, there's 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 a a, a, a friendly rivalry, mm. uh, certainly an intense rivalry, and there's there's mm. you know, it, listen, in every industry, it's a, there's a war for talent. Yeah, oh, for sure, for sure. Um, so in our in our few remaining minutes, um, what an exciting role um, you're in an apartment right now in New York. Uh, you've got a view of the park. I'm assuming that was Central Park and not some like little, uh, you know. Um, you, you, <laughs> Yeah, no. It's, yeah, it, there's I'm lots of parks. He said the you, you set the park off the top. You showed me a quick glimpse, and uh, you know, uh, I'll I'll trust you that it's Central Park now. Um, you know, talk about your role and mandate uh, as president of business ops at uh, MSG Sports. Well, it's 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 the thrill of my life to be at MSG. Yeah. Right. I mean, biggest it, city it, in the is, world, right? Well, yeah, sure. It's it's New York City. Yeah. Right, and so I'm I'm thrilled to be here. I'm thrilled to be at, at, at MSG Sports. Now, this is a new company in lots of ways, right? Mm. But just back in April, so nine months ago, was MSG Sports created, which is now independently traded. On you know, it's an independent company. It's on the New York Stock Exchange, MSGS, uh, and and separate from MSGE, MSG Entertainment, which is also traded on the New York Stock Exchange. Uh, and it's focused on, you know, the growth in the business, uh, particularly in, around the music side of our business and some incredible facilities, uh, the spheres that are being built, built in Las Vegas, sphere in London. Because at some point we're going to pass this pandemic mm. and back to full buildings for our, our, not only our sports teams, but of course for the live entertainment and the music business. So um, it, this is a relatively new company. Uh, it's a company where, uh, I think that I think the timing is incredible. We've got the youngest team in the NHL, and they're playing like it. Uh, but um, uh, chock full of talent. We've got. I got Zabenajad uh, on my fantasy team, so just give him a well, wake, you, wake you must have really picked then if yeah. you got him. I think yeah. he's he's, he's, a, he's, a, he's going to be a superstar. Well, he is yeah. a superstar, yeah. and it's going to be for a long time. So I think the Rangers look great. I think uh, the Knicks, um, uh, who have been struggling for a while. I like uh, their look right now. I like their direction, I got to tell you. Yeah. Uh, I, I, agree, I agree with your read. Uh, a third youngest team in the NBA, 24.3 years old. Uh, Leon Rose in, in new leadership. Leon, who, not exactly a media darling, not exactly a, a, a hounding the microphone, hasn't done media since July. Very quiet guy, but very thoughtful very disciplined, 
you know, when you uh, and surround yourself with great leaders, you know, uh, worldwide West in there, William Wesley, um, Scott Perry. I mean, Bill, you know, uh, our coach is great in tips. So mm. I think the Knicks have nothing but upside as well. And the Knicks are, they remind me the least in lots of ways, right? When there's, you know, we just get a little bit going and we're rolling. So, the, you know, the Knicks, you know, we've been 500 so far this year. We're not at the moment. I think we're two games below, but at eight and 10, we're playing competitively. We're playing exciting ball and we're eight and 10 having had one of the, one of the toughest schedules in the NBA to start. And I'll tell you what, we're even in this pandemic, we're selling 30, 40 season seats a week right now. Wow. So I believe there's nothing but headroom for the Knicks as well. So I think it's an extraordinary time to come here and, um, and they do so much well at Madison Square Garden Sports. And by, I do believe that there are opportunities to make it even better. And that's, that's my role is to figure out how to uh, unlock even more performance for this organization and to capitalize on the winning that I believe we are on the cusp of. Does it, does it entail the uh, sport operations uh, is under, is, how does that fit in? I know I get business operations, tickets, partnerships, anything commercialization, right? How does sport operations fit in? There, it, well, it doesn't, yeah. uh, you know, uh, Leon, as president of the, of the Knicks, yeah. does an incredible job, and he and right. his team, you know, Jamie Matthews in that team, you know, it's, a, it's a great, great, great team. They're but do a great but, job the, but team. you and Leon, uh, yeah, have to yeah, do this, yeah. right? Yeah, I, I talked to Leon yesterday, I talked to yeah. Wes almost every day. Yeah, yeah. Uh, gotcha. Of course, finally, you know, John Davidson, JD on the Rangers, yeah. uh, JR and his team, you know, they're, they're going to run the team ops. Mm -hmm. You know, my job, not unlike the role I had at MLSD, is to make sure that, that uh, when it comes to the uh, business side of the mm -hmm. house. We're doing everything we can to capitalize on, on what the teams are doing on the ice and on the court and to make sure that we're extraordinarily well uh, commercialized. Yeah. That, 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 that the business so, runs. We don't, every second these guys are thinking about what the business is doing is time that they, that, 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 that I feel like I'm doing a deficient job, that, that, that they should right. be thinking about well how to said. make the product even better. I want them we want them focused on that. Yeah, and you're going to be providing them the funding to, to grow their side. Um, what excites you the most, you know, as you look ahead to this role? How many months in now? You, you did a bunch of it virtually, you said, and now you're finally in New York. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I did the first couple of months from Madrid, which was uh, hmm. an adventure. Um, the six-hour time difference was not great. Um, you know, I'm, I'm thrilled to be at this organization. I'm excited to be, you know, as much as I enjoyed my time overseas, um, it's, it's terrific to be back working in a culture that, that I understand really well. It's, it's, you know, will I go overseas again? I don't know, you know? Yeah. Um, certainly, like at some point, I'm gonna wanna hang this up and retire. Uh, and uh, I think I'll go right back to Spain. My, my time in Spain was nothing short of extraordinary and having good friendships there now. Uh, having uh, some limited language abilities over there, mm. uh, helpful, understand that, 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 uh, that uh, country the way I do. Um, you know, I, I long to go back there in lots of ways. So we'll see what the future holds, uh, you know, but I intend to be at MSG for a, a long time. I think that we're going to have an extraordinary ride these next uh, a few years, and I want to be part of all of it. That's awesome. Um, let's wrap a uh, couple minutes. Um, you know, people, so many people aspire to have a career like Dave Hopkinson. Um, we've talked about it throughout this chat, but 
um, just professional, like what are some of the things that you really leaned on or learned that, that helped propel you to be this well-rounded, you know, sports marketing leader, right? Global sports marketing leader. What are some of those characteristics or habits, um, you know, that you leaned on? Uh, like, you know, Tony, you know, I'm not exactly a disciple of Tony Robbins or something, but he does have a great line. He says, you know, in life, you need either inspiration or desperation. Oh. And I think, uh, I, I think uh, he and I started from the same place, which was, which was a point of desperation. Uh, you know, I, I didn't uh, come out of Harvard Business School. I didn't come out of McKinsey. Okay. I'm a university washout. Right. I didn't, I didn't correct. I went, uh, people love talking about, you know, my time at McGill. I fight. They, McGill asked me to leave. Uh, and, and it's nice to be back working with them and, 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 yeah. and everything else in the business school. They tell me how proud they are of me now. Mm -hmm. I do remind them, well, yeah, you, know, you, 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 you did, you did send me a letter asking me to not come back. Um, you know, so the desperation that I felt coming out of university with, you know, no degree, no skills, uh, no prospects, uh, selling door to door. I was selling door to door in Canada. It might be the, one of the worst countries in the world to sell door to door because <laughs> the weather is not exactly gorgeous. Uh, that's how smart I was. Mm. Um, that desperation really led me to, you know, did you say shit in this podcast? Right? You said shit, right? Yes. I, yeah. I was fucked. Right? You know, you know the deep, the deep recognition at 22 years, 21, 22 years old. That was fucked. Yeah. Um, really got me very focused on look there's no one that's going to help me here no uh, other than than me this is a self-help situation i better get pretty serious about getting better mm -hmm. or get used to being so close. looking inwards and, right yeah 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 so that doesn't mean that i've accomplished by myself i haven't accomplished a thing by myself i've been helped the whole way along by a whole host of people a bunch of we named them on the, in this chat mm -hmm. however the responsibility for being a student, yeah. for getting better, for doing the work that 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 exists that exists totally within me, and that and ex that, that acceptance of that helped to help to turn things around. Yeah, you know. Yeah. Um, and, and so you know the the acceptance of that responsibility, the conscientious approach to learning of all right, well look, all right, well that was a failure. Better figure out why, and trying to get better every day. You know, I think. You know, as I talk to my team here, I'm very happy to say, guys, listen, hey, I'm still a student. I'm a student to this. Yeah. I'm trying to get better every day. I expect to be better 100 days from now, Gavin, than I am today. Yeah. I'm getting better at this every single day. And, you know, there's no finish line on this. So framing things properly for myself that, you know, learning is a lifelong journey. You've got the opportunity to do it every single day. And the more conscientious you are, the more disciplined, the more intelligent you are about your learning, the more honest you are about your failures and shortcomings. As you said, you know, you know, re the, rec the deep recognition that the journey within is the, is the most interesting one has been helpful for my career. That's awesome. That's perfect. What a great way to end it. Listen, pal, um, so happy for you. I know like so many other people, we, we all follow and, and, and cheer for your you know, your, your career and your success and will will be grudgingly. Uh, so when the Knicks play the Raptors next, like, is it clear who you're? There is no hesitation. <laughs> go Knicks. There is, don't send, and I'll tell you, my kids are going bananas. Yeah. My kids are upset about this because I've, I've, 
I've taken away their Raptors gear <laughs> and disposed of it. We're in Knicks. Oh boy, Sam. those are fighting words, people. All right, listen, pal, thanks so much for taking the time. This was awesome. Thank you, Gavin. It's been an absolute pleasure. And just for your listeners, you should know that Gavin did the entire call in this incredible set of white headphones. He looks like a Swedish DJ. And yeah, and I can't wait till you drop your album. I, I will be. <laughs> uh, day, day one, to get down, but I promise. Thanks, pal.